Welcome to Reiki Cafe Radio, where your host, Christine Renee and Bruce Taylor. We come together with more than 35 years of experience in Reiki, meditation, chakra knowledge, and holistic healing. We are passionate about helping individuals release resistance, step into their authentic selves, and align their lives with the truth of who they are. Reiki Cafe Radio is your choice for vibrant Reiki conversations, meditation experiences, and holistic wellness. This is your space for a deeper look into the ancient wisdom through modern eyes. So grab your tea or coffee and join us as we sip our way through this week's episode. And welcome everybody to this week's episode here at Reiki Cafe Radio. My name is Bruce Taylor, and in this episode, we're going to be diving into the five fundamental precepts of the practice of Usui Reiki Ryoho. Now, these guiding precepts are, of course, very familiar to most, if not all, of the listeners. But perhaps in today's podcast, the way that we approach them and unpack them, we might find a different meaning to the precepts, or perhaps a different way to integrate them into our own practice, not only with Reiki, but anything in holistic wellness, and indeed then beyond our wellness practice, into our waking lives. So the five guiding precepts of Usui Reiki Ryoho form a beautiful anchoring point, as it were, within our practice. You know, if we get a busy mind, for instance, or if we Uh, don't feel that we are in our presence to hold space for Reiki, the precepts help remind us to come back to that space of balance or peace. And so that's kind of what I mean, that we can not only apply the precepts, of course, to our Reiki practice, but we can also apply it to anything that we're doing within wellness or indeed within our lives. Now, the five guiding precepts of Usui Reiki Ryoho, in no particular order, are just for today, I will not worry, just for today, I will not anger, just for today, I will be kind, just for today, I will be grateful, and just for today, I will do my job honestly. Now, what I love about these precepts is their simplicity. So if we first look at the precepts, how beautiful is it that they all start with just for today? Something that we can all kind of aspire to achieve. You know, when we look at things like our circumstance in our lives or our suffering, our pain, or whatever it may be, the idea of being free from anger can sometimes seem insurmountable. Like, for instance, with myself, um, I've suffered in the past from, at sometimes almost debilitating uh, health anxiety and panic attacks. So tell somebody be brave enough to go tell somebody who's suffering uh, from panic attacks to just not worry. Well, that's the last thing they want to hear. You know, when I was in that space, that would have been the last thing I wanted to hear is somebody to tell me when I'm in the grip of a panic attack to just not worry. So when they seem insurmountable, you know, and it seems like we can't get out of our circumstance, but maybe we can just for one day, you know, maybe we can step away from the panic attacks or the the anger or whatever it is that we're dealing with for just one day. And 
you know, as we start to unpack the precepts here, and as we start to dive into their meaning, I also really appreciate the malleability of the precepts. So what I mean by that is if, let's just say, for instance, you're having a really difficult day, okay, and you have a couple of Reiki clients coming in and, you know, you're just not ready for it and you're just tired or, you know, you just prefer to be able to just relax, which is totally fine. It's totally acceptable. We're all humans, right? Feel free to, of course, change just for today to just for this client, just for the next five minutes. And you see, by setting goals that we can achieve, and we know that we can achieve, that starts to set us on a path of success. And, you know, forgive me for maybe sounding like a motivational speaker there on that, but, but it is true. You know, quite often we set lofty, unachievable goals because we want to reinstate a narrative of failure. The narrative that I'm not good enough, I'm not going to be able to do it, I'm not this, I'm not that, or whatever, sometimes is a comforting space because the ability to rest in the idea that you can't achieve something it's almost giving you a, an excuse or a space to shy away from the task. And some tasks absolutely should be shied away from, right? We can only evolve step by step, not leap by leap. Sometimes we prep ourselves for massive leaps forward, but sometimes we have to take steps. And I think that's what the precepts, just with their first few words, really allow us to do. Instead of realizing that every step we take has to be overcoming Mount Everest, metaphorically, we can actually look at it as if all we have to do is take the next step. So step by step, minute by minute, or day by day. You know, so again, if you're having a really difficult day, if you feel fatigued or whatever, and and you know you need to be there for a client, a client's coming in and they you know that they need to hold space and you need to, more importantly, hold your space and your energy in neutrality so that the client can really benefit from the session, then play around with just that idea. Perhaps not just for today, but just for the next 10 minutes. And then once you realize that those 10 minutes have passed and you've succeeded, then just for the next 10 minutes and see what you're doing is moving away from that initial narrative of, oh my gosh, I just can't, I'm too tired for these sessions here today. I'm too tired for another client. That may well very be true, but are you too tired for the next five minutes? This starts to become a mindset of peace and tranquility, a mindset of perseverance and the ability to overcome and to hold space honestly. So I really do love that. And, you know, quite often I'm also asked about the connotation in the, I believe, the first two precepts that I that I gave in my list. They're, again, they're in no particular order. So the two that have a negative connotation, just for today I will not anger, and just for today I will not worry. Now the malleability of the precepts is something, of course, that I really appreciate. 
you know, we should always be holding the precepts in the way that they were brought to us um, from Usui Sensei, from his initial teachings, and from, you know, perhaps your teacher as well. But the more that these precepts are shared, then the more that they slowly start to change. You know, even the direct translation from Japanese into the into English or whatever language you might have had them translated in, there might be micro differences in the meanings or the the context. So I'm quite often asked, is it okay to change just for today I will not worry and just for today I will not anger into something that is positive? Well, of course it's okay. I mean, ironically, that is breaking the precept of I will not worry, right? So don't worry about the idea of changing it. If it's something that resonates with you to change, you know, perhaps just for today I will not anger into something like just for today I will be a radiant beacon of light and love, well, by all means, go ahead. If it resonates with you, um, you're still arriving at the same meaning from this. You know, just by bringing yourself into that space of awareness with the precepts and what they are actually cultivating, then we're all going to arrive at the same place. And so, you know, if you prefer to have, I guess you could say, a positive connotation on the precepts, of course that's fine. Um, I would position that the negative connotation of I will not anger, I will not worry, is not relevant. Um because the results are the same. But again, it's more important to do what is comfortable for you because you are the one that's holding space. And the only person that knows how to hold space for you is you. Nobody can tell you otherwise. You know, nobody can um, guide you with their own beliefs because you fundamentally know where you are on that day in that moment. So do feel free um, to change. Changing those precepts, though, you know, there's always an importance of keeping a reverence or a respect to the roots because education and and teaching and carrying these things down from teacher to student who then hopefully becomes the teacher and they teach other students and they hopefully become the teacher for the next generation and so on. It's as if we're passing the torch of this Reiki knowledge down the chain. Or it's as if we are a link in that chain of the lineage of Reiki. And so there is importance to honoring the discussion of Reiki from as pure of a mindset as possible. Now, of course, I'm not, I don't mean to be grandiose on that. If for one day you feel you need to alter the, the verbiage, then feel free, of course. But do keep in mind and do teach, uh, you know, the precepts in Japanese and the precepts from as pure of a translation as you can find. So speaking to that, let's try to unpack perhaps a deeper meaning to the precepts here. Now, if we look at all of them collectively, they're all working to cultivate a space of peace and tranquility, not within your client, you know, both perhaps in person or if you're doing a distance session or whatever, But in reality, it's working to hold a space of peace and tranquility within you, right? So 
let's take this from the perspective of an individual who is performing self-Reiki. Okay, so, you know, Reiki is working to cultivate an inner stillness, an inner peace. And when we cultivate that space where the mind becomes quiet and the body becomes still, then what we're doing is we're freeing up the ability for energies, emotions, pains, traumas, and all these types of things to come to the surface and hopefully be healed. You know, the body has a memory. The cells in our body have memory. We store energetic memories of traumas. Um, You know, I mean, there's thousands of examples of this, but one that I quite often reference to is how we can be triggered by smells or sounds or lights And they are triggering us because we're still holding on to all of the senses that were locked in place at the moment of a trauma. And that's the same from a physical trauma, like a, you know, like you've got something you need to heal, an emotional trauma, uh, spiritual traumas, whatever it may be. And so if we think about that space of inner peace or tranquility that we're trying to cultivate, and when these things, these resistances come to the surface in that space of peace and tranquility, they can rear their head like a demon. You know, they can, pain can come to the surface and it can be very tangible. One thing that's very, very common in Reiki and a Reiki practice is for people who have had surgeries, for instance, to feel the pain of the surgery, to feel what the the body was going through during the operation. Uh, So I've had a number of surgeries myself, and I can attest to that absolutely. Uh, For me, at least, I've had a number of Reiki sessions in my history with Reiki where the, the scars on my body have felt like they were being cut open again. Now, it's nothing that you can't handle. It's, it's a sensation, but somehow the sensation seems detached as if there's pain, but because there's no action creating the pain and because there's no fear associated with the pain and because there's no narrative associated with the pain, like I know I'm not getting a scalpel to my skin, that's what I mean, then the pain somehow is something that we can sit with as if it loses its meaning. It's a very interesting Uh, experience to to work your way through. And maybe some of you listening have experienced something similar and you know what I'm talking about. Now, if we bring the precepts to that example here, as the pain is coming up in my body or, you know, perhaps in, in yours, we're able to shut the door on that healing, right? So if we worry about that pain, for instance, as it comes forward, Like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going through. This is going to be detrimental to my body. This is, you know, it's uncomfortable and so on and so forth. Then we're stopping the flow of that energy. We're stopping the flow or the release of that memory or of that trauma. Now, that's what the precept helps remind us. Now, in the moment of that worry, if we can just recite just for today, I will not worry. Just for this moment, I will be free of worry just for this Reiki session, this difficult Reiki session, I will not worry. Then we may be able to progress slightly deeper into that flow and release of that trauma. 
And it's the same for anger, but a slightly different context, right? So the way that I quite often approach the precept of just for today, I will not anger is consider a Reiki session where you just don't get the results that you want, you know, or you are bringing up childhood trauma or a really tough memory or the image of somebody that you really just don't like, somebody who's really toxic in your life comes up and you can feel that anger is very palpable. Now, again, if see if we can sit in that space of anger and we can recite to ourselves, just for today, I will not anger. Well, see, what we're doing is we're softening the attachment or the narrative of that story. Now, you know, I'm cautious to say these things because the, the degree of suffering for each person is a spectrum. It's a scale. And I don't mean to, to make it sound as if these things, that I'm not being sympathetic to the difficulties that we all face in our lives. Of course, it's going to be much easier to sit in memory or recognition of a coworker who's just super annoying, for instance, and to release that anger compared to releasing the anger of a of an abuser, right? But both of those need to be released. One might be easier than the other, that's for sure, but still both need to be released, and they're released in the same manner. When this memory comes up, you see, when the anger is coming up and moving through us, If we can sit in stillness, if we can sit and observe the anger and just let it happen, then we are removing the meaning of that anger. We are removing the story of the oppressor, for instance. We are helping to reshape the context of the memory. And that might be an instantaneous release. That might be a release that takes many, many years. But it's still the same thing. So just for today, I will not anger is a way for us to sit in a deeper stillness when that trauma arises. Okay. You know what I think quite often here about my own meditation practice when I teach about these two precepts in particular just for today, I will not worry. And just for today, I will not anger. Anything that comes out of the body, anything that we heal or that we release is most likely going to fall under those two categories because it's going to come out as something that is aggressive or angry or uncomfortable, right? Because otherwise, why would we let it go? And I think that forms a really interesting discussion as to what illness and suffering even is. Remember, the nature of energy or the nature of Reiki is to flow along the path of no or at least the least resistance. So if energy can flow via the path of least resistance or hopefully no resistance through the body, then we're fine. We simply are Reiki. It's the moment that we have resistance, physical trauma, emotional trauma, whatever it might be, that then the energy gets trapped in the body, okay? And because it becomes trapped, it now has a story. 
I broke my arm, for instance, right? Which I did. You know, I broke my, my, I've broken my left arm many times. And each one of those breaks, I can acutely remember. I can remember where I was, the smells, the tastes, you know, the, the temperature and these types of things. All of that serves the story. But at the same time that that serves the story, it also reinforces the entrapment of that energy. Because every time that we reflect on something or we remember something, it's as if the energy of that story recycles back into our bodies. This is touching on the idea of neuroplasticity or, you know, what we repetitively do, we eventually become. If I continue to look at this instance of my my broken left arm, for instance, as a moment of trauma or something I just don't even want to address, I'm not even going to think about it, then that whole moment or that narrative or that event becomes stagnated in the body. And energy that is trying to circulate through our entire system, there is a small pocket of it here around the memory or the trauma, perhaps even at the site of the trauma, that becomes locked. And that needs to come out. Now, energy and flow is pure. It's neutral. It's balanced. But energy that suffers from resistance is energy that becomes stagnated. A perfect example of this is water. You know, water that is flowing is clean. Water that is still will eventually become stagnant. Energy needs to move. It needs to flow. Okay. And so the stagnant nature of that energy as it comes out of our bodies is not going to come out of our bodies as, you know, like a, a little bunny rabbit that's super adorable and you just want to watch it, you know, hop around and frolic around in a field full of daisies. It's going to come out as pain, grief, sorrow, suffering, whatever, heartache, and we'll feel it. How deep into that moment are you able to go? And notice what I'm saying here. It's not how deep into that moment can you go. It's how deep are you able to go? This is not a race. Our healing is a slow process. And so that gives an even deeper context to the meanings here of those first two precepts. When we're faced with something that's very difficult, remember that you don't have to solve everything all at once. So just for today, I will not anger. And just for today, I will not worry. Both of those really help us to go just a step further. Or perhaps even just another step further into the release of that trauma. But when it becomes too much, it also gives us a comfortable resting place. Like, you know what? This is really uncomfortable for me. I've had too much. It's really too difficult. I know there's still more work to do. But I'm not going to worry about that for right now. And I'm not going to be angry that it didn't happen. I'm going to rest here now in the space that I've created. And once I'm rested and restored, then I'm going to come back to my healing process. And you see, that also leads there into just for today, I will do my work honestly. And there's a lot to unpack from this one, but knowing that you need to take healing or your own Reiki journey step by step and day by day, that's doing your work honestly, right? 
knowing that you are holding space for others, that others are coming to you for healing or so that they can dive into their own uh, journey of healing, right? And so that you're holding space so that they feel comfortable and safe to be able to dive a little bit deeper perhaps today into themselves. If you're able to hold space for others without judgment or belief, without saying things like, I'm moving the energy or I'm going to heal you this or I'm going to do that or whatever, then in my opinion, you are doing your work honestly. Because remember, we don't know what the person needs. My journey is my journey. Your journey is your journey. I'm the only person that can take my journey and likewise for all of you. Now, that doesn't mean that on our journey, we can't be assisted by teachers by like-minded individuals, by our family and friends and so on, of course we can. But at the end of the day, we all have to do our own healing on our own. Nobody can do that for us, right? And so this precept is really important to me. Just for today, I will do my work honestly. To me, honestly working within the space of Reiki is simply surrendering to Reiki holding space, detaching as much as you can, and even perhaps detaching from the idea that you're doing Reiki or you're even giving Reiki to somebody else. For this precept, I'm often reminded of a traditional Japanese Reiki center in Hong Kong that I used to visit, run by Usui practitioners, all Japanese, and the majority of them were adorable old Japanese women. And I loved the way that they practiced Reiki. It's hard to vocalize or to explain this verbally as to what it looked like, but I'll do my best. You would arrive into the center, and again, a number of you know elderly Japanese women would you know be around other practitioners laying on the floor. They would take time to bow in gasha and, you know, maybe recite the precepts in Japanese quietly to themselves or work with the symbols on themselves or whatever. And then they would lay their hands on the individual. And then they would just turn to the other elderly Japanese women and just start chattering away about all the most meaningless things like the weather and politics and what's happening in Hong Kong or what's happening in Japan or so on. And the first time I saw that, I was thinking, like, these ladies are, this, what is going on here? Like, nobody's, this is a meditation. This is a practice of stillness, of, of peace. And what I realized is that they are actually following that precept, at least in my opinion. Uh, and again, this is why I'm saying it's difficult to explain this uh, via a podcast. But the, the scene, when I viewed it from this precept, it, then it made sense. You see, what the ladies were doing is they were placing their hands on the clients. Notice that they were getting still. They were diving into Reiki with honesty and sincerity and love. And once they were there, and once they had made their connections to the flow of that energy, by talking to their friends, you know, and having these kind of small talk conversations, they were actually doing their work honestly because they were remaining detached from the client or from the individual who was receiving Reiki. That to me is 
in hindsight, it's a very beautiful and very powerful moment. And it's, and I always look back on that memory very fondly. Now, another aspect of this precept, just for today, I will do my work honestly, that really did form a fork in my personal journey with Reiki as it was, is realizing that the space that you hold with the client, namely the space after a session, is a space of vulnerability from the perspective of the client, or most often is a space of vulnerability, I guess I should say. And we as practitioners have to be very diligent in this moment, in my opinion, and be guided by this precept. Sadly, I believe it's all too often that, especially in this in the world of metaphysical healing or energy healing, people are all too happy to give their diagnosis. They're all too happy to give their interpretation or their belief on what's happening with the client. And the only thing that is going to do or serve for the client is to create more resistance. Again, there's no way that I know what the individual is going through. Even if I can see it or I can sense it or I can understand it, it's still notice who is understanding it. I am sensing it. I am understanding it. I am seeing it. So it's being interpreted by me. Now, you know, here I'm speaking from perhaps maybe a more traditional or a more Japanese perspective on this, but the idea here is, so what? We just let go of the understanding or the belief that we somehow have any agency on the ability to heal this person, they have to let go of it. Now, I'm being very conscious here that some of you, uh, you know, may have some clairaudience or clairvoyance, and you might be able to very really see these things. Uh, you might be able to see things that the client doesn't know. Some of you may have heard me talking about this very topic with Christine Renee, perhaps if you've taken our master training together or if you've been in any other certifications or trainings with either Christine or myself, you may have heard this uh, before. But what I'm saying here is I'm not doubting the ability of an individual to be able to see these things or to understand these things. But what I am suggesting here is for every time that you're correct, what about the times that you're not correct? You know, in those moments when you're not correct, you're going to create a potentially insurmountable amount of resistance and grief and worry and stress. And when we were diving into the beginning of unpacking this precept here a few minutes ago, I was saying there was a fork in my road of my journey with Reiki. And that fork was understanding what I'm saying here now. It was understanding that I have no agency over the healing process of an individual. They have to make that journey. And so because I have no agency over it, there's no need for me to interpret or give guidance or judgments on their experience. And that became a very difficult realization because my business suffered because of that. I realized what I was doing in the past is that I was coming from a space where I was giving maybe a bit too much guidance or a bit too much interpretation, or I was helping the individual navigate their journey from my perspective, right? And 
one thing that that's really good at doing is ensuring that you have repeat clients because you're guiding their narrative. And so what that allows is for them to take the mantle of their own suffering or their difficulty and essentially hand it over to you. That is not going to allow them to heal. And so I think you can see what I mean here as to how this became a difficult fork in the road because I realized that I should no longer be really giving this guidance or or my interpretation of their sessions. And I should just let go and surrender, even if that means that a client is going to leave thinking like, well, I experienced all this stuff. I didn't really get clarity as to why that happened or he gave me a little bit, but it didn't really make sense. So I'm not really sure what I got from it. That's their journey. And maybe from what has been planted, their further journey will begin to unfold. When I made this realization about doing my work honestly, I noticed that I no longer got fatigued when I was giving Reiki sessions because I was simply surrendering to the flow of Reiki. You see, without surrendering to the idea of doing my work honestly, then there was a part of me that wouldn't fully let go because I wanted to be aware of every muscle twitch or every deep breath or sigh or tear or whatever from my clients. All of those things are irrelevant. That's not my journey. That's their journey, right? I'm simply holding space. So I encourage you to, you know, investigate your own Reiki practice or perhaps your own Reiki uh, healing on yourself from the idea of doing your work honestly. Now, how would that look, for instance, if you're working on yourself? Well, you know your narrative, right? You're the one that needs to heal. So doing your work honestly is being consistent in your practice when you can. It's not forcing the practice. It's not demanding that you every single day give yourself Reiki. But in reality, what it's doing is it's saying, I'm going to sit. I'm going to focus. I'm going to still myself. And I'm going to give myself Reiki for five minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, whatever it may be, from the perspective of honesty. So I will simply surrender to the flow. And now let's weave in the first two precepts that we're discussing at the beginning of this podcast. As I surrender to the flow of doing my work honestly, of doing this Reiki session on myself honestly, then whatever may come up. I will try to not let it worry me, and I will try to not be affected by the anger that may arise as I heal. And see, these become reflexive on themselves. By doing your work honestly, more may come up. And as more comes up, as you don't meet that with worry or anger, then you free more so you can sink deeper into yourself and do your work even that much more honestly. All right, so let's turn to the last two precepts. So just for today, I will be grateful. And just for today, I will be kind. Okay, or perhaps you've heard it as I will be kind to all living beings. Now, going off the way that I kind of tied those first three precepts together, as we are doing our work honestly, and as that creates deeper space for us to dive internally and release more, And as we release, and we're not worrying about that, and we're not being 
drawn into anger or a fight about that resistance that's being released from the body. I think we can see where that's going, right? Then we can be grateful for the healing process. And we're actually being kind to ourselves as all living beings. And this becomes a really beautiful circle of flow in the Reiki journey. If we piece this whole flow together like this, I'm going to sit down and do my practice honestly and do my work with sincerity and with love and gratitude. And whatever may come up, I'm not going to worry. If nothing comes up, I'm not going to be angry. I'm simply going to do my work honestly. And as the session or the experience unfolds itself, I'm going to be grateful of this journey that I'm on. I'm going to be grateful for my body, grateful for my being, my spirit, this energy of Reiki, for my teachers, for my family, all of the support mechanisms that we have. And in doing that, I'm simply being kind to myself and kind to all living beings, kind to my family, kind to those who came before me who have now since passed on because their story is with us. Kind to those that will follow me once I'm gone because their story will be part of my legacy. We're simply a link in that chain. And so what we do and how we vibrate in that chain has repercussions through the entire length of that chain. And so here we are in that healing moment. We are replacing resistance. We're replacing anger. We're replacing, you know, stress and illness and injury with the seed of gratitude and of love and of kindness. So we are doing our work honestly so that we may open up our space, our bodies, our minds, whatever it may be that you're working on, so we can then dive into the trauma and the resistance. And when we're in that space of toxicity and resistance, We release that without worry or anger. We plant then in its space or in the void that it has created because we've released it. We plant the seed of gratitude and we plant the notion of kindness and love. And you see now what happens is the links of this metaphoric chain that run through our body, they start to become clean They start to become more radiant or they start to vibrate with the energy of the universe. Because prior to our sessions, there were links in the body and the mind. And of course, I'm being metaphoric, but I hope it's painting a good image here because it is very literal. There's links in our narrative that are dirty, that are not straight, that need repairing, they need healing. As we sit in our Reiki practice, and as we're guided by the precepts of Reiki, then what we're able to do is actually sit with each one of those links, as it were, in that chain, and allow it to straighten, allow it to clean, allow it to heal. And then link by link, day by day, moment by moment, we start to rid ourselves of the resistance that's within the body, the mind, and the spirit. 
And we start to gravitate back towards that which is Reiki, which is stillness, which is love, which is the precepts in action. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and the dive into the beautiful five guiding fundamental precepts of Usui Reiki Ryoho. And perhaps looking at the precepts in this light is helping to expand your own Reiki practice. And indeed, hopefully as well, not just your Reiki practice, but your daily life. Thank you, everybody. And until next time, namaste and in Gashao to all. Be well and take care. Reiki Cafe Radio is sponsored by Reiki Cafe University, where your Reiki dreams become reality. Join us on Instagram or Facebook at Reiki Cafe University, watch our videos on YouTube, or visit the website to learn more about our colleges of Reiki, chakras, and business. It is our aim to help you on your path to wellness, guiding you into confidence, transmute your inner critic, and say yes to you. Your path to abundance wellness and health unfolds from here and love and light christine renee and bruce taylor